thank you for tuning into the podcast. And always, I'm so grateful for your interest and support of this little ministry. In this episode, I'd like to address the topic of shame. And I'll begin with a quote by Jesuit father Jim Bowler, who is a mentor of mine and a good friend. Jim writes, Shame has the power to induce feelings of inadequacy about oneself, inferiority relative to others, and a sense of deficiency relative to a relationship with God. Until a person is able to address his or her feelings of shame, it can be a formidable hindrance to human spiritual growth. We often expend a great deal of energy trying to hide this reality from others, not to mention from ourselves. This effort becomes compounded when undertaken in the name of virtue, spirituality, or religion. One way this might happen is when an individual operates out of an image of God, for example, taskmaster or judge, that denigrates God's true affection and value for him or her. Powerful and wise words by Father Bowler. Shame is a universal spiritual and emotional issue that has impacted people across generations and cultures. It feels like an unaffirming, malevolent, endless energy to push one down. Healing people of their feelings of shame was a part of the ministry of Jesus. We look, for example, to the stooped woman of Luke chapter 13, the leper of Mark chapter 1, blind Bartimaeus of Mark chapter 10, and the woman caught in adultery of John chapter 8. Shame was a part of the chemistry of each of these stories, and Jesus' touch and words brings wholeness and freedom to body and soul. I think shame has its roots in a certain kind of religion, a certain kind of parenting, and a certain kind of education. There is, for example, a powerful strain of shame that runs through some Catholic piety. In a homily I heard preached to grammar school students, a priest rhetorically asked them, Do you know whose sins put Jesus on the cross? And then he answered it. He said, Yours. You did it. He died because of your sins. Now, not only is this not Catholic theology and not biblical theology, but it's also shaming and damaging. Let's briefly talk about the difference between healthy guilt and toxic shame, because I think there can be some confusion about these. It would help for us to clarify. Healthy guilt is a warning that comes from a good conscience that we have acted wrongly or are about to act wrongly, and we need to make amends and make a different choice. Healthy guilt creates within us a desire to not be hurtful to another. Unhealthy toxic shame, on the other hand, says not so much that you did something wrong, but you are wrong. You are wrong, and you will never be or do enough. Minor, simple matters are inflated to unrealistic importance. For example, I have some students, high school boys, who if they make a mistake on the soccer field, they kick the ball the wrong way, they will beat themselves up and chain themselves over this really minor mistake in the grand scheme of things. A shame-based person might also feel an obsessive need to apologize. Shame destroys the capacity to feel God's mercy and feels like a trap. It is the no exit of the philosophers. 
it pervades the lie that one is defective and not lovable. The core terror is abandonment. There's a voice inside that says, if you really knew me, you would not want to be near me, and I would be abandoned. With shame, there's an internal voice that I call the liar that says things like these. I sometimes feel as if I am a fake. I feel that if people who admire me really knew me, they might have contempt for me. I seldom feel as if I'm up to what is expected of me. I feel inferior to the really good people that I know. I feel that God must be disgusted with me. I feel as if I just cannot measure up to what I ought to be. Let's now explore how we might cooperate with God's healing grace so as to move beyond a shame-based way of thinking and being. First, we learn to distinguish between the inner voice of truth and light and what I refer to above as the liar. This inner voice of truth and light, this voice that is God, is compassionate, loving, wise, receptive, allowing, unlimited, intuitive, spontaneous, creative, inspired, peaceful, and connected. The liar, on the other hand, is aggressive, possessive, judgmental, fearful, opinionated, intrusive, dominating, limited, rationalizing, controlling, restrictive, conventional, anxious, defensive, and separated. This voice masquerades as God. It demands law and order over compassion. It's patriarchal and wants obedience and not relationship. It's distant and judging, waiting for us to think or do something wrong. And it takes courage to say, I will no longer obey this voice because it can feel like disobedience to God. Mr. Rogers said of this voice, which he called the accuser, it will do anything to make you feel as bad as you possibly can about yourself, because if you feel the worst about who you are, you will undoubtedly look with condemning eyes on your neighbor, and you will get to believe the worst about him or her. Next, it is essential that we create safe spaces for the hidden shame to come forward, spaces where the stories, the secrecies, and the sufferings of the past can be told. When it's out of hiding, old copings can be dismissed, for example, putting ourselves down or avoiding things that challenge us. And one must be prepared to re-experience the original pain. I call this white-knuckling it as the, story's as, this, as the story is told. We can't do this alone. We need someone to walk with us and be in solidarity as we make this journey. So it's important to find a good therapist or spiritual director who can journey with one from toxicity to divine mercy, one to help us recognize this inner voice of truth. And finally, I'd like to offer a process as to what this might look like as we make this journey from shame to healing. First, we intentionally invite God into the process. We say yes to God's grace, and we make that our intention. Second, we summon the courage to face the shame and engage it. We say, I am no longer going to run away from this. Third, we name the energy we're feeling as shame. 
That is, there's something going on that seems to have a voice that is powerful, and it's more than just my ego. When we can properly name something, it begins to take away its power because it can no longer hide. Fourth, it can be helpful to give the shame an image, maybe a little gremlin or a snake or that shaming teacher or preacher that we once heard. This, hel this helps us to know that this voice is not truly you, and imaging it can help us to put it outside of us. Next, we dialogue with the part that can be redeemed and exercise the part that is malevolent. For example, perhaps part of the dynamic here is your wounded inner child. That child can be welcomed home and incorporated into who you are now. And the evil parts that are pathological, we can only give that to God. And finally, we allow transformation to take place. We live into the transformation. We affirm that I am a new person, no longer attached to the original pain. I'd like to conclude with another quote from Father Bowler, and here he paraphrases Carl Jung. At a certain point in our spiritual journey, we may discover that we are no longer cooperating with God as well as we once had. The defense strategies we adopt to navigate the course of life and establish a sense of self-worth that cloak our shame have become all-encompassing. Through a confrontation with our avoidance, our defense mechanisms collapse and we encounter the reality of shame. Through this process, we are invited to redefine our values and priorities so that they are in harmony with our true self. Some call this process a rebirth. Jungians call it a confrontation with an integration of the shadow. Simply put, it portrays the process of coming home to our true self, to grace and God. Good words again from Jim. St. Paul said to the Romans in chapter 10 of his letter, For if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Faith in the heart leads to justification. Confession on the lips to salvation. Scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. In the end, liberation from shame is part of what it means to be saved, to be redeemed. And we are invited to cooperate with God's healing grace. And with that, I'd like to invite us to go into a moment of quiet meditation. <laughs> 